On this week's episode, Batman is seeking vengeance at the box office. Is it winning time for HBO? And back up the Brings truck for Bender. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review wherever you get your podcast plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos popculturecosmos.com lakers fast break game source inside sports fantasy football vampires and vite whiskey and wine all the great things that we do at pop culture cosmos because we not only cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day at facebook at pop culture cosmos but you can catch the many, 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 many videos that we have on Tabletop RPG Streaming because we're the number one Tabletop RPG streamer out there on Facebook. And if you can follow us, like us, share, or just tell a friend about us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind behind <laughs> Vampires and Vitae and also Whiskey and Wine. In fact, we just had the latest episode of Whiskey and Wine just dropped yesterday. So sure please did. check that out today at mm-hmm. Pop Culture Cosmos plus Vampires and Vitae. Wherever you get your podcast, please share, like, subscribe that one and also give her a five-star review. It is my good friend. It is. Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda, great to have you back. I know you took a week off. I did. The nerve. The nerve, but still <laughs> great to have you back once again. Happy to be back. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you had to come back for patenting. As the patent. I did. I did. And variable pricing on those tickets. Yes. And we will be talking about the Batman and AMC's very interesting maneuver out there. Kind of not the time to do it for public relations, but. They're looking to make the cha-ching, the money. So we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Plus also as well, Peacock is looking to find any content that will connect with an audience because they're still behind the eight ball when it comes to getting in new subscribers. Will Joe versus Carol do it? Which yeah. is so funny because it's based off of, you know, the what went on with Tiger King, which is a documentary that was shown on Netflix, which is another streaming network. Exactly the right time for the Tiger King. Yeah, exactly. So it we'll really talk was. about yeah, and we'll talk about Joe versus Carol coming up here. See if it's worth your time coming up here in a bit. Plus, also as well, the first episode dropped of something I know Melinda has been waiting for, and that is Star Trek Picard. I saw the first episode, so I have some thoughts on Star Trek Picard. 
plus cha-ching cha-ching more money is coming someone's way as john dimaggio did he finally commit to going ahead and reprising the role of bender in futurama as it comes back to hulu we're going to talk about that on the back end of the show and marvel makes an interesting maneuver in going home to disney plus with some of its netflix shows why I am surprised about this maneuver and the sneaky little thing that they did to circumvent it, will this lead to more adult, M-rated, and possibly a bigger picture to Disney Plus as well? But first, my friend, it is, you can't do like the Batfleck, you can't say like Keaton. I know it's just no catch name yet. Maybe the brood man, because he broods all the time from his days in Twilight. I don't know. There's he just nothing really good yet. Yeah, that is very true. Well, yeah, because yeah, he's perfect for the role that way. I mean, like, gosh. Yeah. And he doesn't sparkle in this movie, as far as I know. Yeah, Batman Sparkle. I know that was the one that was tossed around. But it is oh, Robert it? Pattinson. Okay. It is the Batman. It is now available in theaters. It's expected to do over $200 million in his first weekend worldwide. And I know a lot of people are liking what they're seeing. The reviews are solid. Right now, I believe it's 72 on Metacritic with some very high marks and a couple low marks here and there, but most of them are right in the middle. It is a three-hour long movie, just to let everyone know. So you're in for three hours, which I guess we're, as a society, we're a little bit more used to it because we've seen a lot of movies in the past decade in that range. But yeah. Melinda, before I go into the AMC variable pricing, which raised an eye for moviegoers everywhere, let me hear your initial thoughts as the Batman invades theaters. Well, okay. I haven't gone to the theater to see it yet. However, there is a friend of mine. Hi, Isaac. Isaac is a pretty tough critic. I'm not going to lie to you about that. He's He's a tough guy to impress. And he's gone to see the Batman twice since it was released. Yeah. So there's something real good about that movie if he's got twice. I trust his taste and his opinion implicitly. So I've got nothing but good feelings about this So movie. that's six hours already for him. Yeah. Yeah. He's committed. He's committed indeed. And that's just on Thursday alone. That's, uh, you know, the day before actually comes out really, really in, in full wide release. So yeah. that's good to hear that he likes it and enjoys it so much. I mean, we're hearing a lot of good feedback on it. A lot of people were kind of curious where this story was going to lead. This basically sets up, as director Matt Reeves calls it, Batman Year Two. This is not the initiation or how he becomes Batman or origin story on that. You've seen that a hundred times. This is He's already started to get into it. There's still a lot of refinement in the character and the Batman itself that needs to be made. But you're seeing the early days of the Batman. It's still... You know, on the violent side, it's still on the very dark side. So you do want to go ahead with some caution out there, folks with, you know, parents with kids out there. Maybe you want to go ahead and say, eh, maybe I want to hold off on that. But for most people out there that are able to take it, this is going to take a dark turn. It's a detective noir type feel. But your thoughts still on the Batman is something that maybe you're going to go ahead and check out and see real soon. Yeah, I love a gritty kind of doing the wrong thing once in a while batman i love the he, he's killing batman. in this just, in this movie yeah, no do it literally do it, yep do it do it batman because you know what he's evolving as a superhero and you can't expect a guy who's lived a life like our our pal bruce 
and to take on what he tries to take on as Batman and not make horrifying mistakes and kind of traveling that very dark, very gray, dark area of am I a good guy or am I a bad guy? Do as I do, not as I say, or do as I say, not as I do. There's a lot of things that are coming up there. But of course, as Batman and Bruce Wayne both mature, they're going to get better at being a superhero. That's what I think they're trying to show. Of course, yes. Give me a gritty Batman every single time. I love it. And it's also going to shoot off a couple of extra shows on the side as both the characters of Commissioner Gordon and also as well the Penguin are both going to be spun off into HBO Max series. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this world of the Batman, which will somehow get interlaced when the Flashpoint movie comes up. I think what Matt Reeves was saying was that it was like Earth 2. So it's not actually in the same universe as the Justice League is right now. Matt Reeves also said that it's not superhero-based. He wants to try, I think, stay away from the Supermans or the Flashes or anybody else trying to go ahead and come into that environment that's not regular individual-based. So I think that's something that he's going to try and stay away from. And we'll see how interesting that remains because... Again, Flashpoint coming up later this year is going to be a movie that's going to try and retcon everything and try and straighten everything out for the DC Universe going forward. Well, I want to see how the Batman or Pattinson's version of the Batman will or will not interact with the rest of the DC Universe. Yeah. I've always been rooting for DC. (laughs) Marvel came in and was like, yes, we are superheroes all of the time and have all of the attention and the DC movies have kind of like been squeaking along like a noisy tricycle. It's good. Not always having the same direction. Yeah. It's good and it's fun, but I'm not really clear on exactly what's supposed to be happening here. Hopefully this will give us an opportunity to let DC shine a little bit more. No, I, I hope so because I still see this as going to be a very successful movie. Again, yeah. They're predicting right around 200 to 225 million right out of the get go worldwide in its first weekend of release. This is something that I think a lot of theater goers are going to be very excited to go ahead and see. And the theater owners, the theater companies, and the theater chains, they're looking forward to it as well as a major boost, seeing how Uncharted is the only real hit for this year outside of Spider Man, the residuals right. over this year, you know, what movies have been successful so far. But it's interesting that AMC Theaters here in the United States has decided or announced that it will conduct its variable pricing plan, which means for everybody out there that wants to go see the Batman, it's going to be more expensive than if you walked right up and decided, okay, I want to see the Batman. I don't want to see the Uncharted movie right now. I'm going to go see the Batman. The Batman movie will be more expensive than Uncharted or spider-man no way home or any of the other movies playing in that theater your thoughts on this variable pricing quote-unquote that is making a lot of people upset sure okay so back home i didn't live in a city that was big enough to have like the big reclining chairs and and all of that stuff right so when we started to get the chairs that have the speakers and the headrest and all of that stuff they became our imax experience theaters so you paid a bigger price to get into that particular theater for whatever movie they were showing Then you had to pay a little bit more if you wanted to select your seat, which, yes, I will pay four extra dollars to select my seat every single time. And there was something else that you paid an an extra charge on something else. But it made your movie-going experience amazing. 
It really does. So charging a little bit more on a Friday and a Saturday night, I'm surprised that you know, it's taken this long for it to start to happen. And I'm surprised that it's only started with this movie, you know, a little bit cheaper through the week. And of course you still have all of your matinees and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not surprised. And to me, I think it makes a little bit more sense for the movie theaters and and movie distribution companies to do something like this than it has perhaps over the last couple of years, because they've taken a massive hit just like every other industry has uh, because of COVID and the the decline of people being able to go to movies and and being comfortable in movie theaters and stuff like that. So it's not really a huge surprise and I'm not shocked to see it happening. I'm not shocked as as well. You're seeing companies and various industries raising their prices across the board on a lot of things, unfortunately, right now in today's market, trying to recoup a lot from what, like you said, from COVID and things of that nature. Now that people are going out and venturing out into the world once again, a lot of restrictions being lifted and whatnot. So I can see that happening with the Batman going forward. I still know a lot of people are upset about it, but they're still going to check it out nonetheless. And like you said, you have to pay more usually if you go to IMAX, sometimes with the variable sound properties yeah. that you know yeah. you can get, you can pay a little bit more, you get a, a better sound experience, like depending on the type of chairs that you want, if you want the reclining chairs, sometimes you have to pay extra for that. So mm-hmm. this doesn't surprise me as well. So I'm just, like I said, the feedback that we're seeing initially from fans because the variable pricing, like you said, during the weekends, especially where they're going to raise the prices there. And then, like you said, taper off during the week when there's it's less populated. It's just something that I think was concerning initially when they announced it. But again, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no. And honestly, every industry, doesn't matter which industry, except for like Amazon and delivery, maybe. Most industries are trying to find different ways to kind of recoup what they've lost over the last couple of years. So I think they're just the first to try it and they just happen to be trying it with a very much anticipated movie. So that also makes correct business sense. As far as I can tell, not having business experience myself, but having been in sort of like an entertainment adjacent business for a long time, Mm -hmm. it, it just makes sense. Honestly, it does. One last thing I want to ask you when it comes to the Batman for this week, and that is obviously in the past few years, DC has had mixed results with a lot of its movies. I mean, they've found success with Aquaman. They found success with Wonder Woman. The sequel. Wonder Woman. Not so much, but the first Wonder Woman, obviously they found great success with that. BVS, that whole thing that went on there kind of didn't work out that way. Justice League only became a decent movie when it went to HBO Max and they made the Snyder Cut. I think that the one thing I want to ask you, though, is the one great success they had outside of Aquaman is The Joker, which was an R-rated movie. And that was a billion-dollar box office winner. So I want to ask you this. This is also a very dark turn, a very hard PG-13, from what I'm able to ascertain. Right. Is this going to be a direction for DC movies going forward that they're going to a little bit more gritty, harder edged, kind of straddling that line between PG-13 and R going forward? I think that, and please, I, if I say this and it is not an accurate comment, I apologize in advance. But I do think that DC kind of leans a little bit more that way than Marvel seems to. I mean, Marvel has its darker stuff, which is coming, but DC seems to more live in that world a little bit more. Yeah. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm yeah, trying? You know what absolutely. I'm trying to say, right? So um, I think that as long as you can find a way once in a while 
to cut some of that tension in those movies with, even if it's a dark humor, it could be a couple of great moments of levity or something memeable is what I guess what I'm trying to say. Then yes, give me a three hours of a dark movie, but give me a couple of light points in the movie so I can kind of take a breath and relax for a second and then we can get back into it. Absolutely. Think, yeah. And it's Pretty, what's going to set the two, the two apart a little bit more yeah. as well. Well, I think you and I are both excited to go ahead and see it. I'm going to try and check it out as soon as possible. Hopefully I will have a review of it on the Monday episode of Pop Culture Cosmos. Melinda is going to go ahead and check it out. Will you be taking Rob with you? I don't think I have a choice. Well, you know. He, he is the Robin to my Batman, so. Okay, fair enough. So he gets <laughs> to go as well. All right. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, the Rosses go to the movies. Movie night out. All right. Yeah, Good right. enough indeed. But I'll tell you what, are you excited out there for the Batman? Or I should say the Batman because he is vengeance. Are you excited out there for vengeance with the Batman? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together or well not exactly okay fine w where's the controller oh uh, that's it's it's right here this is literally a sheet of paper i don't understand what you well, here you're gonna need these two dice you've just had are these even dice we are gonna play vampire the masquerade it's a role-playing game what kind of vampire do you want to be Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Nosferatu. Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2 to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. I do want to mention that what we've got lined up for today's show, again, we've got another great interview on the way here in the next few minutes as award-winning writer Jeff Perlman is coming up after the break. His book, Showtime, which you can get right now, that's available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon, that book was the basis for Winning Time, the series that's coming up on March the 6th. He's going to talk about his experience working with HBO on this, some of the things that we talk about, including the title itself and who he thinks might break out for the series. He's already seen all the episodes. He's even in one of the episodes. So he talks about that, and that's coming up. But before we head to the break, Disney Plus announced that the Marvel shows that had left Netflix at the end of February are coming to Disney Plus, which surprised me. And I've been on the show with both you and Josh talking about how I thought this was destined to go to Hulu because of the M-rated content that some of the episodes in this whole chain of shows, i.e. Luke Cage, i.e. Daredevil, i.e. The Punisher i.e. Jessica uh, Jones. Know, Jessica Jones. Iron uh, Fist. Yeah, we got to talk about Iron Fist, unfortunately, as well. I, yeah. And the series that they were all together. Yes. Uh, when, they, yeah, when they worked all together as a team. Those shows are coming to, surprisingly, to Disney+. Plus. Did this surprise you? Because it sure surprised me. And I'll tell you, they did something to do a workaround in order to go ahead and get to Disney Plus. But before I go ahead and mention what they did, which could lead to a lot of great things in the future, what are your thoughts on these Marvel shows that were once on Netflix coming to Disney Plus? Along yeah. with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I wanted to add as well. Right. Okay. So, Gerald, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. And I think that 
it's going to happen. I think that Disney Plus is just going to absorb Hulu. And when you open up your Disney Plus app, you're going to select Disney Plus or you're going to select Hulu. Been saying that for a while. You have been. And all credit to you, man, because the way that things appear to be going and the way that all of this Marvel stuff and Star Wars stuff it has been has been coming out and, and the, the ratings are getting more and more mature all the time. I really do think that is eventually what's going to happen. Well, you know what's done it for me? And again, we'll talk about this here, how they're going to be able to circumvent that because yeah. Disney Plus is the, they've tried to shy away from all this as far as putting any questionable content out there simply because of the fact that it's got the Disney on the marquee and they wouldn't want to, you know, in the past, go ahead and taint that with some gritty stuff. Like, let's say for the Batman, for instance, right. or the Joker, like we talked about on the previous segment, that they wouldn't. No, mind you, that's DC. I was just using as example. But before we go into why, I think a lot of the problems stem from the fact is they don't have consistent output on content. As soon as the book of Boba Fett, aka the book of Slow Boba Fett, ended, yes. you still chuckle at that. I, I, know I will for the rest of my life. <laughs> as soon as that ended, remember, I was talking again about a six-week gap between series, between that and Moon Knight. And the only thing that you have coming up really is turning red, which is obviously something that's great. I'm going to check that out. And I know my friend that works at Pixar is really excited to have this showcased off to the Disney Plus audience. But that is a movie two hours for one day. And you can only watch Encanto so many times before people get tired. Excuse you? Well, my daughters have seen it four times. I've seen it once. Always seems to be on. We won't talk about Bruno, however. But Do we I will to talk about how many times I've watched The Emperor's New Groove and Hercules. Yes, well, you say that almost every week. Many yes. times, many times. Yes. yes. But I, and I know Encanto's done really well on Disney Plus. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you this. I mean, before we get into the sneaky little thing that they've done that could set them up going forward, which I think ultimately leads to what you're talking about, it, it seemed like it hit them right there. They said, okay, what do we do now? We don't have anything lined up for six weeks. And that in streaming marketplace right now, that's a death knell. That's like subscribers just leaving in droves. And is that something that you think that stuck out to them? It's like, hey, we need content and we need it badly. I think so. I mean, nobody who is an executive in any kind of way at Disney is a dumb dumb. No. So I'm sure that they saw the gap and and were like, hmm. We're going to have to do something here. <laughs> yeah. Like circled those six weeks on, on a calendar on a wall and was like, I need to get some people on this. And the people went and they worked and this is, this is what's happening. I, I think, I hope that that's the way the conversation went. These well, weeks we need I, things. Doop, doop, doop. And that's something that they now, like you said, if they absorb Hulu, at least they own 60%. They may yeah. own more of it now, but when it comes to what they're doing, they recently added a, or actually will in a software update for everybody out there, no matter where you have your Disney Plus, they will add a parental control filter on there. So yeah. that's something that they haven't or been very reluctant to do before. And they're doing it now, which means this move is just not for the Marvel Netflix shows that they're getting. This is not just for those shows. This is a move to set yourself up for the future to get more TV 13, more TVMA shows that will come into your screens on Disney+. Plus. This is a move toward the future as well as the present. 
Blade is something that's going to probably push the envelope as far as being a mature rated program that has got to be on a Disney Plus platform. And then also as well, there are other shows, like you said, other characters that they probably want to go ahead and do. Moon Knight is something that already Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, has already told everyone out there that it is going to be a envelope pushing TV show that is going to be very violent. So I think that a lot of people out there are going to like that edgier kind of stuff that we're going to see. But the fact that Disney Plus is now leaning in that direction and can actually now draw in all the Fox stuff that they want now. They can now maybe show an alien or predator type series that they've got in development that they can show that now on a Disney Plus and get away with it. Yeah, right? absolutely. But they, yeah, and so it's just it they can do all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. They can put maybe eventually a Futurama on oh. Disney Plus and get away with it. So, Ayo. and we'll talk about that here at the back end of the show. But yeah, yeah. It just it just seems like it's a very sneaky little maneuver, but it has big dividends down the road by adding this parental control filter. I mean, I'm, I'm harping on it, but it's still, to me, something that sets the road for not only for bringing in these Netflix Marvel shows, but also as well for setting it up for the future going forward for the actual network streaming yes. outlet itself. Like I know in Canada on Disney Plus, you can watch What We Do in the Shadows, which is only on Hulu down here in the US. So like just another example of stuff that you know, could easily cross into the Disney Plus platform. And I think that the parental control things, and then I think eventually we're going to see those meld into one one thing. I think so as well. Instead of Disney I mean, Plus, it'll be Disney H or something. Well, the Star Network around the world, I keep on harping on that as well, has done so well internationally because that's a combination of ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus plus yeah. whatever local programming in that certain area. That has done so well internationally. I think that's the way that it has to go here in America. I'm going to tell everybody until I'm blue in the face regards it. I understand that they do the advertising for all three and try to get it at the bundle price, but I think for convenience sake, yeah. at some point in time, they've got to do it just to create so much more content for Disney+. Plus Because I think yeah. this past couple weeks and what's going forward for the rest of the month until we see moon Knight is a big big warning sign for them that they need more content and they just can't produce it fast enough on their own specifically for disney plus yeah absolutely and i think that that's a great problem to have when you realize that your growing pains aren't growing pains and it's a shortcoming and you recognize it and you fix it that shows commitment to the development and commitment of growth of disney plus really yeah, I agree. Yeah. Absolutely agree. What are your thoughts out there on the Marvel shows that were based on Netflix for so many years? Coming over to Disney Plus, March 16th, you will get all these Marvel shows that are coming over to you. So you will get Luke Cage. You will get Daredevil. You will get Jessica Jones, the, Jessica Jones, the Punisher, Iron Fist. Yeah, you'll oh, get him too. Punisher, that was so good. Yes, yes. I can remember getting to a point in the Punisher series where I was like, okay, that's the finale, right? And then there was another episode. I'd be like, okay, yes. that episode had to be the finale, right? And then there was Absolutely. like four more episodes. How? You'll get the Defenders. You'll get Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You'll get all that coming March 16th to Disney+. Plus. So please let us know how excited you are for all these Marvel shows coming to Disney+. Plus. Please let us know. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com.
Well, before we hit the break and my interview with Jeff Perlman, one quick thing I wanted to add was Joe versus Carol detailing all the stuff that went on that you saw previously in Tiger King, but this is a dramatization of it with Kate McKinnon from SNL. This is a reach for Peacock. Peacock is a, is a struggling network trying to get in new eyes, new subscribers, trying to go off of something that really captured our attention two years ago. And I really don't think it's going to get it done. It looks so bad. It also, does. also, do you need to dramatize the Tiger King? Wasn't there enough drama in the show as it was? Yeah. I, and and know, you saw what happened with Tiger King too. That yes. flopped. That was just unfortunately something that people didn't yeah. want to come back to. And it was so bad. And now you want to go ahead and make a drama out of it. And that's something yeah. that I think that's going to be very disappointing as a TV series. This to me reeks of desperation by Peacock as yes. a network, which really just can't find itself. It just doesn't seem to have content that lasts or sticks with a large audience. When most of your subscribers are still the free kind, that's the problem right there for you. But again, it's Joe versus Carol with Kate McKinnon playing the role of Carol Baskin. If you're interested in this series, please let us know. It's getting mediocre reviews right now. I believe it's 62 on Metacritic. So please, if you have thoughts on it, we'd love to hear it on the series Joe versus Carol right now on Peacock. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, as I mentioned before, we're really excited to present award-winning author Jeff Perlman. His book, Showtime, is now an HBO series coming this weekend called Winning Time, covering the dynasty of the Los Angeles Lakers in the 1980s, both on and off the court. Ooh, the scandal. Yes, the scandal indeed. So he's going to be talking about his thoughts on the series, who he thinks will be a breakout star for the series, and also his time working on the series itself. So he's going to talk about that coming after the break. And then at the back end of the show, Melinda and I are going to be mentioning real quick, Star Trek Picard and Bendergate is finally over. Yay! Okay. We'll go ahead and talk more about that at the back end of the show. <laughs> this is the PCC Multiverse. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. It's almost that time. They've put a tremendous amount of publicity into this. It is HBO Max's winning time. It's a detailed series on the history, per se, of the Lakers dynasty in the 1980s. And how better to cover it than the individual who wrote the original book? HBO Max loved it so much, they actually reached out and actually bought the rights from this book. This book is coming up right now for you, and that is Showtime, Magic Kareem Riley and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. You also got to catch his other awesome Lakers book, which I talked with him last year on. Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Lakers dynasty. 
Both books are available right now, wherever you get your books. It's a great man indeed. I'll tell you what, I'm so happy to finally get a chance to catch up with him once again. It's award-winning author Jeff Perlman. And Jeff, great to have you back on the program. First off, congratulations on the success of the book. It is based on Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s. I'm so happy that they got a chance, HBO, to reach out to you to go ahead and acquire the rights of the book. First up, the title. I got to ask you on the title, Winning Time. Showtime is your name of your book. Were you privy to the knowledge of why HBO Max chose that route for the name? Yeah, so the the working title was Showtime, and I always thought it was going to be Showtime, but there was this thing hanging over it, which is HBO's rival network is called Showtime, and would it be weird to have a show on HBO called Showtime when there's a network called Showtime that you battle against? And I think this is a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of interpretive knowledge. I just think HBO came to the decision that didn't really make sense to have a show on HBO called Showtime, and that the confusion that might come with that. And maybe like, maybe some stated bruised feelings by Showtime, the actual network. I don't know. So, yeah, was I disappointed slightly? But at the end of the day, they are turning this book into an HBO series. So I can't really do that. You know, of all the things in the world, not such a big deal to me. And I agree with you on that. But it seems like almost like a, a petty days from the cable days where both HBO and Showtime were both, you know, at the very top of the food chain when it came to cable networks, as opposed to now where they're both still very high, but with Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime, you know, and so many other streaming outlets, they're not as high as what they once was. I would agree. So for Showtime more than HBO, I mean, HBO, I'm not saying this because I'm on it. Like pretty much all we watch in our house are HBO shows. Well, no, and it's still 73 million viewers for HBO Max. So it's nothing to sneeze at, absolutely. It's still one of the top five streaming outlets that's out there. So HBO Max has done well. Obviously, their day-to-day movies that they showed off last year and what they've done this year with Peacemaker and Euphoria have really continued that success. So definitely could agree with you on there. But kind of a little disappointing as a Lakers fan. But obviously, you can understand what context that it's under with when they called it winning time. And I know you've heard the stories in regards to Adam McKay and director behind this, uh, such a great director. And he's, he's really the force driving this. And you heard the issues with John C. Riley, Will Ferrell, who we all know from Step Brothers and so many other comedies that he seemingly had to choose one over the other. And unfortunately has drived a wedge in his relationship with Will Ferrell over the casting of John C. Riley as Dr. Jerry Buss, your thoughts on that before we actually get into the series itself. I mean, every now and then a, a friend of mine, especially when it came out, would say, you broke up Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know. I mean, I don't even, you know, like, I think John C. Riley is a, is the perfect choice. And it's hard for me to envision Will Ferrell playing Jerry Buss. Maybe he would have done a great job and I don't see it, but I definitely think they picked the right guy to do it. I mean, I think John C. I've seen all the episodes. John C. Riley's insane. He's so ridiculously good at it. So, I mean, I don't know. I think they landed the right guy. I mean, I agree with you. In the, in the stuff that I have seen so far, he seems to be great in the role of Dr. Jerry Buss. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that he even said the other day. He had really nothing going on. So he's happy that, that he's doing this. And to see maybe a revival for him going forward will be great because I really think that so far from what I've seen, he's really done a good job. Will Ferrell, though, as you and I both know, is from the L.A. area like I am and from the Southern California area. And I think 
has such a passion for LA sports, you know, USC. And of course with the Lakers, I think that's probably where that derives from. So I think that's as an ardent Lakers fan that he was, I think that's probably what has partially caused the reasons for, for what's gone on today. Probably so. I just don't know the answer. I don't have a great, I don't have any great quote for you. I just don't know. No, no, absolutely not. I'm just a writer who wrote a book. That's the funny thing about it all. People ask me questions about Hollywood stuff and I'm like, I'm just a guy who writes a book, man. They've been that nice. They, that HBO wanted the rights to. So sure. I'm just yeah. saying, though, like, you know, I've never met Will Ferrell. I have met Adam McKay. I'm, the, I'm literally sitting on my bed with my dog by my feet. Like, I'm the farthest thing from, you know, some Hollywood guy who knows the insider information. I'm just a guy who writes books and kind of got lucky here, you know. And, and that's why I enjoyed Three Ring Circus so much. And that's why I've got, I recently just purchased Showtime. So I'm just going to go ahead and sit down with it. That's why I really enjoyed your stuff over the years. And, tell you what as an award-winning writer who's done so many great sporting books this is Raphael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse my last movie that i saw in the theaters was the last skywalker i know condolences to me wow man Right. I, I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that it doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. I want to go back before we go into HBO's Max, it's winning time and all that. I just want to remind everybody out there, not only does he have these two outstanding Lakers books, but please, if you just go ahead and type in Jeff Perlman on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get your books, even Bing and Google, you'll see a list, an entire list. Also as well, jeffperlman.com, if I'm not mistaken as well, you'll see the entire list of sporting books that he has out there that touch on so many great parts of our sports history, hopefully People just will get more into not only the Showtime book, your current Three Ring Circus book, but also your other stuff as well. Yeah, I hope so. I do love what I do. I'm a big sports nostalgia guy. Like, that's kind of why the number one reason I wouldn't write about the current Lakers. Like, I have no nostalgia for this team. I wasn't 14 years old watching them or even 20 years old watching them or 49 years old. And it's hard for me to care. You know, it's not, I don't have the same passion that I had when I was a a younger kid. So, uh, my next book is about Bo Jackson. And that comes out in October. And that's right in my wheelhouse of passion. Like I, I grew up loving Bo Jackson and idolizing Bo Jackson and, and just thinking he was the greatest thing ever. So those are the kind of topics I enjoy writing about. That's a great subject right there because Bo Jackson, he captivated the world as far as what he was doing, playing baseball and football, doing both sports simultaneously, you know, going from someone who would hit tremendous home runs and, and just do some tremendous things out on the baseball field to his famous performance in the kingdom, <laughs> you know, and just, I'll tell you what, that's uh, going to be a great book and I look forward to reading it, but with the Lakers and what's coming up with winning time, your book showtime covers it in such great detail. As far as those years, as someone who also loves his sports and nostalgia and i'm looking right now as we speak at my 88 world champion back-to-back t-shirt i've got hung up on the wall 
I also do have those memories back in the day of watching the Lakers two, three days a week on KCAL Channel 9 or then KHJ and you know, hearing the iconic theme music as the Lakers came out and did so well over those years and iconic battles. But when you look back on it, as you wrote that book, what were some of the things that really stood out to you that you think will get translated well into that series that's coming up? I think there's a real joy in the arrival of Magic Johnson from Michigan to LA. And I just think they do it really well. Like the idea of this kid, 19 years old, coming out of Michigan, and he shows up in California. It's just his really ripe time to be in Hollywood and to be in LA and to be in Inglewood at the forum and picking an orange off the tree and just being dazzled because you can, there's fruit, it's growing on trees. And this is amazing. And I just thought they really captured, they really do capture well the time period and this perfect arrival, this perfect timing of Jerry Buss coming along, the Lakers getting the number one pick, being able to use it on magic. It's just spectacularly done. And that's what I really love. Cause that for me as a kid, I, you know, growing up in New York, when you'd see the Lakers on TV, that's exactly where you were blown away by is like the magic of LA and the magic of Hollywood and the sunshine and the palm trees and the Laker girls and celebrities at half court. So it does that really well. And then you go deeper into that with what went on, which I won't elaborate to. They're going to have to go ahead and check out your book and also as well, HBO Max's winning time. If they want to get a deeper dive into that, you know, there's so many stories in your book that cover it. And also it sounds like that you're very happy with the series. I'm really happy for you because it sounds like to me, you're really, really happy about the series coming out and the way it portrays your book. I am. And the thing that's important that I have to say is like, it's like, yeah, I wrote this book and it's a guide, but it's not, it's not a documentary. So when people ask me, you know, well, are they sticking strictly to the book? No, and they shouldn't. Are you in the writer's room every day? No, and I shouldn't be. Like, this is an interpretive show. It's not paint by number documentary. Yeah. It's sort of about the mood and the time. And, and I just think I've known a lot of writers who've had stuff options and they get really hurt or disgusted by what comes out. And I feel the opposite. I just feel kind of honored and blessed and overjoyed that they're taking it so seriously and they're doing it. It's like a fairy tale for me. It really is. It's like a fairy tale for me. It's ridiculous. So it'd be weird for me to go anywhere and complain about this because number one, they're taking my book, turning it into a series. Number two, it's on HBO. Number three, Sally Field is in it. She's my, my favorite actress of all time. Number four, I get paid for this. It's by, and number five, my wife, my kids and I are in the first episode. Like, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. I never saw this coming. I never saw it happening. It wasn't a dream. I, I accidentally say it's like a dream come true, but it's not because I never even thought to dream this kind of ridiculousness. There's a billboard I saw the other day in LA of this show based on my book. It's a stupid ridiculous. So that's gotta be a thrill. Of course. I mean, it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing I could say bad. And the truth of the matter is, and I just being honest, like, let's say I thought someone wasn't cast well, right? I'm not going to go on media and say that. I'm not going to lie about it, but I'm not going to sit there and say, well, my one complaint is that they can't. Like, I'd some, I don't cast people. I don't even know what goes into casting people. Yeah. So for me, I'm just some guy on the couch, just like you are watching the show. It just happens to be based on my book and I'm getting paid and I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm thrilled for you. <laughs> Again, you. it's Jeff Perlman. You got to go ahead and check out. I'm going to pop it back on the stream real quick. You got to go ahead and check out his book, Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s where the upcoming series from HBO and HBO Max winning time is based off of plus his other book, 
In fact, if you want to go and check out our previous conversation in the archives on Three Ring Circus, a tremendous read as well. You got to go ahead and check out both these books today's Lakers fans, plus all the other things that he has available for you right now at jeffperlman.com. Before we head on out, my friend, because I know your time is limited and I know you're going to get a lot of people asking about, you know, what's going on with winning time. It is HBO Max and it is Hollywood and it is some creative licensing of all that's with every single adaptation that I've ever heard of or whatnot. There's always some type of creative licensing that is done in regards to it. But it sounds like, again, since you've already seen all the episodes, you are quite happy with the end result. I am very much. I think it's a riveting series. I think they capture it really well. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like there was one day, one of the early days I went to set and you walk on the studio lot and there's the forum. You are standing in the forum. They rebuilt the forum. You know, it's bonkers. And another day you walk in the set and you're standing in the Lakers front offices. Like you're in the offices. There they are. You're standing in it. And one day I was on set and they were filming a scene with the uh, the actor who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Solomon Hughes, reenacting Kareem when he was recorded filming the movie Airplane and in the cockpit scene. And it was so perfectly done and so precise. And so it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. It's great. Absolutely. And last thing I'll leave you on or a question on is the characters themselves, because it portrays a lot of the quote unquote characters of the situation that went on during the Lakers dynasty. For me, I mean, we get all the great names, like you said, Kareem, Magic, Pat Riley, you get the whole list of gambit of all the Lakers stars during this. The one tragic figure I, I'm looking most forward to seeing portrayed is Paul Westhead. As a fan oh, yeah. of, and I was also seeing the Lakers uh, and the Forum once again because I went to a few games. Plus, I was born a couple blocks away in Inglewood uh, at the Daniel Freeman Hospital that was there right across, the, right down the street. But the thing that impresses me the most would be Paul Westhead to see how he's portrayed by Jason Siegel because the fact he is such a tragic figure in all this about how things were laid out. I'm also a big Loyola Marymount fan of that time and when they did the run and gun later on during the early 1990s. Yeah, but your thoughts on a character to look out for if there was any that you think should be looked out for. I know obviously look out for all of them and, and you know, obviously go ahead and you know search out from there as far as the performances and whatnot. But is there any character that stands out that you think is going to really get people talking? All right. So they have an actor who plays Michael Cooper. And uh, his name is Delante D'Souza. And he's just really good. And I feel like there's a lot of room for development. Hopefully the series goes on and continues and has a couple of seasons. And he's a wonderful actor. And I feel like Cooper's a really complex figure. I also think, just being blatant, the obvious the actor who plays Magic Johnson is a guy named Quincy Isaiah. He's really a first-timer. It's ridiculous how well he captures Magic. Just utterly ridiculous. They could, they could have spent a thousand years trying to cast this. They would not find someone better for that role. I got to the point already where you see Quincy playing magic and you kind of wonder, is that magic or is that Quincy? Like, it's that good. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Those two guys are really fantastic. Absolutely. And I'm wishing you so much success with this. I'm hoping HBO and HBO Max you know, gets the kind of success they're looking for. I hope they get Euphoria numbers because you've you've heard about Euphoria and its success, getting 5 million plus viewers and a lot of people are talking about that. I'm hoping they'll have the same kind of conversations with winning time that's coming up on March the 6th. Plus, I'm hoping that'll provide a big boost for 
a book that you've already released, and that is Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s, plus Three Ring Circus. Don't forget that book as well, because that's a tremendous read. I'll tell you what, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. I hope to bring you back on the show again when you're available to do so. But any last thoughts on the way out? I just really appreciate the support. And like you, I hope I do euphoria numbers and then I will be euphoric. And I just, again, it's like, it's just a dream come true. And also I will say like all these books, most of them out here in California certainly are available at the library. So if you're someone who's like, oh, I don't want to spend, like, I don't care. Just like read it for enjoyment, get it at the library. If you hate it, you can return it after a few days. You know, I just, it's a great period to read about. It was a great period to write about. There are a lot of fun stories. So I appreciate you letting me on here. Uh, I appreciate it as well, my friend. Again, it is Jeff Perlman. Please, whether it's the library or on Amazon, right now there's some great prices on it. Again, it is Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. Please go ahead and check it out today before March the 6th or actually as you're watching the series because they're going to be releasing it. If anything is done with HBO and HBO Max, they're going to be releasing it on a week-by-week basis. They've done it with Euphoria and Peacemaker. So I don't think they're going to do the Netflix thing and drop it all at one day. So you're going to have lots of time to go ahead and read up on this book. So please go ahead and do so. And Three Ring Circus. They're both great books. So please go ahead and do that today. But it is Jeff Perlman. Jeff, I cannot thank you enough so much for joining us on the show. I look forward to your next great book on Bo Jackson later this year. Wishing you continued success and hopefully winning time will be a winning one for you as well. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Jeff Perlman for stopping by and talking about HBO's winning time. Please go ahead and get his great Lakers books today. Three Ring Circus, and of course, Showtime, which the series is based off of, wherever you get your books. Plus, also as well, you can check out what he's doing as far as his books, both upcoming and his entire library of books that he's written today at jeffperlman.com. And for us, make sure you go ahead and check us out each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. We are the number one tabletop RPG streamer, Vampires and Vitae. Go vamp, 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 vamp. What do you got planned right now for people out there to check up on the latest episode of VNV? Oh my. Well, we had a huge showdown with some hunters in last Sunday's live stream. So I'm going to put the finishing touches on the edit once we're finished here tonight, Gerald. And that'll be ready to go tomorrow morning, six o'clock Eastern time. Going to get go. it so you can have it to listen to on your way to work. And you can check out Vampires and Vitae live on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, Vampires and Vitae. Please follow them on social media and check out their podcasts each and every week 
vampires and beat and beat. also peacock i mean we have 62 episodes that you could just go ahead and make they a show out of all the content i mean i mean it would be uh, fun. They also have uh, over 500 episodes of the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC See? Multiverse they can have See? as well. Yeah, it's all there. I mean, there's there's two entire arcs of the first season of Vampires and Vitae that no one has ever seen or heard. I'll have Universal come knocking on your door. ASAP. There it is. There it is. But before we head on out, Melinda, a couple yeah. quick notes to go ahead and drop on you before we head on out. Wanted to go ahead and mention that I watched Star Trek Picard because yes. you and I have had this discussion before on STP that I thought the first season was kind of uneven and you absolutely loved it. Well, I will say without putting out any spoilers this time around, because I usually am the spoiler guy, that it is headed in the right direction. Of course, because everybody's already seen the poster and I'm sure everybody's already seen the trailer that we posted already on the Pop yeah. Culture Cosmos that Q makes an appearance. So, oh, yes. man. He is so obviously good. going to play a major role. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg has already been advertised she, as Guinan once again, reprising that role. She uh, makes an appearance. I loved the day that Patrick Stewart was on The View and he personally asked her if she would come back and play Guinan. Yes. It was I, such a lovely moment. Like I teared up a little bit. I got emotional. I really well, did. Well, she is back and she yeah. is in the episode. But yes, I think it starts off on a much better note. It is a very familiar note for longtime viewers of Star Trek episodes, it is really hard for Star Trek to differentiate itself now because they have, what, over 500 episodes of all their shows that are out there. So it's really hard to go ahead and do something different, per okay. se. So this feels a little bit more familiar. And I think that's a good move this time around to go ahead and start off on season two. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, as we've speculated... We'll probably get three seasons. Pure speculation. Yeah. Just because, I mean, Patrick Stewart, this is He's his love letter. Yeah, this is the love letter to Captain Picard from Patrick Stewart. That's kind of how I've looked at it. It's also, I think, his love letter to Next Generation fans who have been looking for a whole lot. And when you watch the documentary that William Shatner did called The Captains, yeah, and you look, you hear Patrick Stewart's point of view on what it was to play Captain Picard, it really does kind of bring you this sense of closure for Patrick Stewart and finally saying goodbye to this huge character that he played for so long. I think it's a beautiful thing. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to now the rest of season two of Star Trek yeah. Picard on Paramount+. Plus. I know you as a humongous Star Trek fan is going to check out the season as well. To me, it's heading in a much better direction than season one. Plus, they make some tweaks and changes and some things that they kind of like erased out from season one. Some directions that I don't think a lot of people were satisfied with. They kind of right. erase a little bit of that in the first episode. So I'm excited for Star Trek Picard. If you are excited to see where Jean-Luc Picard is headed next in this season, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, last but certainly not least on today's agenda for today, cha-ching, back up the money truck. Oh, because man. John DiMaggio holding out the voice of Bender in the reprisal of Futurama. Everybody else had agreed, but he wanted to hold out because it was about money, 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 money. And he made it a big PR thing. He made it a big social networking thing. He made it a big 
Yeah, and and you know what? His crying and whining about trying to get more money was well deserved. Yeah, was well earned. And you know what? He got the money he deserved and earned as he signed and committed to the upcoming season. This revamped version of Futurama, once again. Your thoughts on this revival now that's going forward with the actual Bender character in play, with the actual voice actor behind it. Your thoughts on Futurama going forward? Yeah. This guy deserves But you're excited. You had said that you would probably oh, not watch the show if, if he's not included in it. It wouldn't quite be the same. You need, and I, maybe just because nobody else has attempted to play a character similar to Bender with his sassiness <laughs> or meanness sometimes, depends on how you want to look at it. I think that it's just good PR Absolutely. to bring back Bender. I, you I can't, think so as well. Yeah. I think there was just too much of a firestorm created oh, from gosh, it and yeah. the hashtag Bendergate and all that. So <laughs> I'm glad to see it finally. Cooler heads prevailed. People got what they deserve. John DiMaggio and the rest of the crew. The rest of the crew hopefully got a bump up in races as well. So I'm hoping that this will actually end up being a Futurama version that people will connect with finally. And stay with, as opposed to just the hardcore watching it, hoping finally that that Futurama will get a platform to succeed and extend itself long term. Just to borrow a, a beer slogan from Canada: "Those who like it like it a lot, and those who are about to discover Futurama for the first time have an incredible catalog to go back and watch and learn and follow and and all of that." I'm very very excited. Maybe one day it'll be shifted over to Disney Plus. You never know. I can see it happening. I can see it happening now, that's for sure, after what they did. So absolutely. What are your thoughts out there on John DiMaggio, who plays the role of Bender in Futurama, finally going ahead and joining up with the rest of the cast? So now we go forward with Futurama on Hulu. Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We got a great episode coming up for you on Monday. Josh and I will be back in the big chairs talking about the Batman and how well it did, plus so much more heading up for the week. But Melinda, it's been great having you here as always. You killed it, as you always do. I almost feel like I'm a crutch to you. You know, it's my gosh, just not up to your level. Bro. Don't leave me to my own devices. No, don't leave me to my own devices. Sideways quick. No. Any last thoughts, my friend? before we head on out yay for captain picard yay for john dimaggio yay for the day that it's announced that disney plus and hulu are just going to be one app that's going to happen i just think disney when it comes down to it just realized that you know what yeah. walt disney's vision of what a disney plus would have been had he been alive to go ahead and see it as far as keeping just disney approved material on there but I think the realization of 2022 and the fact that this is a full-fledged streaming war that's out there, I yeah. think smarter heads have prevailed. And I think going forward, this is only going to benefit Disney Plus viewers as far as allowing more edgier, more mature content on the network. Going Absolutely. And now that you can get adult beverages in Disney World, all bets are off as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Do you have any pictures to go along with that? I mean, no. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. 
it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great